I didn't have booty yet. <laughs> so I was skinny <laughs> and black <laughs> and was getting told no constantly because I was black. And then years later, the booty and the boobies started to develop. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hit puberty late. I started my period at 16 years old. So everything was very late for me. Yeah. And so then things just started. It was almost like that movie, Nutty Professor. Yes, like where you just blow where it up. Bloop. Hey everyone, I'm Jessica Cruel, the Allure Features Director. We recorded this episode of the Allure Podcast a few weeks ago when the world was a very different place. In it, supermodel turned businesswoman Tyra Banks discusses her new project, Model Land, and the many steps she's taken to build her brand. We hope that this little break from your news feed can help you relax and inspire you because there's no time like the present to explore what you were born to do. Hi, I'm Jessica Cruel, Allure Features Director, and today we have Tyra Banks on the Allure Podcast. Hi! Hi! <laughs> I know you started modeling in high school. What made you want to become a model? Yeah. I actually didn't want to become a model. I, I kind of knew what that was, but that was not my interest. I wanted to write and produce television and films. But on my first day of high school, this girl came up to me, first day of high school for her too, and she was like, are you a model? And I was like, what are you saying? Your tongue is like doing things and I can't understand what you're saying. She's like, I am a And I was like, am I a model? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, no. And she took me under her wing. She was obsessed with modeling. She was obsessed with Christy Turlington. <laughs> and she started modeling in the 10th grade. And then I got an agency in the 11th grade after six said no, but the seventh said yes. And it was her that saw something in me. So it's interesting that I got discovered by like a 14-year-old. When you were going out to all those go-sees and trying to get an agency, what were your parents thinking? Like, were your parents yeah. like, a model? Okay, we'll let you <laughs> do this as your yeah. kind of a fun after-school thing? Or were they really helping you along the way? Well, in the beginning, my mom was like, what? And my mom didn't get it because my mom was a medical photographer. So she used to take pictures of anatomical dissections and surgeries and beautiful deformities, like all of these things that I used to see like in her portfolio all the time. So she was a photographer and she had a business after work. She would come home and transform our living room to a photo studio and she would do like glamorous photos of like everyday women. And she'd do their hair and their makeup, one woman show, and photograph them. And I was her assistant. I would hand her makeup brushes and I would do the light meter thing, you know, for her. And so she saw me around photography and makeup all the time, but she didn't even see it in me. So she was a little confused and (laughs) then was like, I don't know. And but then she was supportive when I said, Mom, I want to try this. This is what I want to do. So when those six agencies said no, did you ever want to quit? Did you ever say to yourself, why am I putting myself (laughs) up for this torture? You know, I actually don't remember the feeling of wanting to quit. I just remember the feeling of a lot of pain and rejection. Yeah. That's what I felt. But for some reason, I would just pick up and go to the next one. They would say no. And the crazy thing is I got rejected by the agency that my friend was modeling at. Yeah. Like she set me up for Nina Blanchard. I'll never forget. It was Nina Blanchard. Wow. She set me up for that. And they said no. And that was humiliating. It's like, this is now my my new best friend. And even her agency is saying no. Then she moved to a different agency called It Models. I went to see It Models. And they were the hottest agency in LA. It was like, it was it. <laughs> they named themselves right because yeah. they were it. And they said no. And I was just like, dang. But I, I, I don't know. I didn't stop. I just kept going. 
<laughs> it paid off. That's resilience. That resilience paid yes, off. Yes. And I think you have really broke the mold and on what a model in businesswoman can be. And I feel like at a time modeling was very much so a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Skinny, mm-hmm. white, mm-hmm. blonde, or mm-hmm. brunette. Mm-hmm. And brunette was edgy, <laughs> and that was exotic. Like, they were calling Cindy Crawford exotic. Wow. Janice Dickinson was exotic. Gia Karenji was exotic. They're white. Yeah. American. Girls. <laughs> and that well, was exotic. Yeah, I'm sure that kind of was probably struggle for you coming in as a black woman mm-hmm. who has curves and is, you know, a woman who's very beautiful in a different way. Yeah, in a different way. Well, I didn't have booty yet. <laughs> so I was skinny <laughs> and black <laughs> and was getting told no constantly because I was black. And then years later, the booty and the boobies started to develop. Mm-hmm. Like I I hit puberty late. I started my period at 16 years old. So everything was very late for me. Yeah. And so then things just started. It was almost like that movie, Nutty Professor. Yes, like, where you just blow it up. Blue. That was my body like overnight. Like everybody thought I had a boob job in the fashion industry because it just like from like, I don't know, 18 to 19 years old over one season, it was like, boom. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I swear, this is me. Like, I don't have a boob job. I don't know where this came from, but this is not a boob job. (laughs) So yeah, it happened overnight. And overnight I was being told, you know, this is just too big. We can't have you in our fashion shows anymore. And it's so crazy. I look at the pictures today and I was so skinny. Right. Time changes your perspective. It's cr- I thought I was big. I thought I was like, just like, oh, I, I don't look like a model anymore. But I was like 118 pounds, 120 pounds or something. Yeah. So that's sickening mm-hmm. that that was big. Yeah. And I'm sure that's probably one of the things that inspired you to create Model Land, which is a place where everyone gets to kind of get a peek inside of our industry, the modeling industry, the fashion industry. And it becomes normalized to see different body types, body shapes. Yeah. So, you know, even like dozens of years ago before this whole body positivity movement, which I pray is not a trend, I think it, I don't think it can ever be a trend. I think it now is a movement that will then become just normal. But before this happened, you know, with America's Next Top Model, I casted a plus size, was called plus size. I used to hate even saying that. I came up with something that was not cute, which was fiercely real. I didn't know what to call it. (laughs) Thank God somebody came and said, okay, it's curve, which makes sense. Fiercely real. I just hated plus size. But anyway, so we had Robin Manning, season one of America's Next Top Model. People had no idea what that was. Like, Plus size model? What does that mean? You know, so we were really ahead of our time and really trying to break down barriers of what beauty means worldwide and cut to America's Next Top Models in 180 countries, the American version. And then we have 40 international versions, Australia, India. We have two in India, one in Hindi and one in English shot by two different casts and two different hosts, Mm -hmm. you know, all over Asia. A top model is so popular in Asia that we have Asia's Next Top Model. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, you know, like the continent has one, not just, uh, you know, and then we have, of course, South Korea and Vietnam and list goes on and on. But that, even though Top Model is fantastic and gives so many people an opportunity, there's only a few people that are living that dream while a lot of people are looking on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is not the final chapter in me expanding beauty and giving opportunity to people. And so I created Model Land, which is a place where everybody can come. Like everybody can come and live that fantasy. I say that America's Next Top Model, you watch the show. At Model Land, you are the show. 
America's Next Top Model is a competition to see who can get that best photo and be on top. At Model Land, all your photos are fierce. You have opportunities and there's no one in there saying you are not fierce. Mm -hmm. And I have done everything in my power to make sure your pictures are as amazing as possible with the best lighting technologist in the entire world and my America's Next Top Model team setting up these photo interactives. So we're making sure that if you don't blink, hopefully you don't blink in the photo. <laughs> Can't help that. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, like we're really trying to make sure people come to Model N and feel like their fiercest selves. Well, I think one thing that the fashion industry hasn't caught on to, they're trying to catch on to, is this sense that people want to see people who are look real and look exactly yes, like them. Exactly. With any type of, with acne, yes. with hair thinning, with yes. gray hair. And I think that's something that Model Land gets at. Are there things you see in the fashion industry now that you still look at and are like, ugh, we need to get over that? I actually am seeing a lot of change, but the change that I see, a lot of it is not because they want to. It's because they have to. Yeah. And that kind of change is not as exciting, but it is change. So in the end, you know, I guess the the end sometimes justifies the means. So if this, not this magazine, you guys are doing fantastic. The Billy Porter cover is genius. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, um, but in general, a lot of, you know, publications and, and companies, you know, they realize that they have to change. And they're probably in boardrooms going, oh, God, we have to do this. But the world doesn't see that. The world just sees a beautiful thick person or a shorter person or a curvier person or different hair textures in those ads. And that's what counts, the ends. Yeah. Did you ever feel when you were pitching Model Land, it's something that really hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. Were there ever pushback from investors or people oh, like, what yeah. even is this? Oh, I, I came up with this 12 years ago. Wow. And I had a hundred page deck. I went to Harvard Business School, studied how to create, you know, a business from so many different touch points and standpoints. Went to this beautiful executive education program. My first group session that we had to present to the whole class, we decided, my my, my classmates decided to present Model Land. Yeah. We came in second, you know, <laughs> out of dozens and dozens of entries into this presentation that we had to do. So I was ready. Even my professor was like, this is amazing. It's never been done before. I go to investors. They're like, oh, what? <laughs> An immersive modeling for all destination. And it's, you're trying to revolutionize retail as well. And beauty for every, I don't, we don't understand this. Yeah. Like you have a TV show, they watch it. And why would somebody leave their house and do that? They didn't get it. I put it on a shelf and I said, the world's not ready. And then three years ago, I took it off the shelf. I updated it to mm -hmm. today. And everywhere I went, every investor, every real estate company was like, yes, 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 yes. So it's interesting. You know, I was the first mover at the time. And sometimes when you're first, it's a good thing. Like America's Next Top Model was one of the first type of, you know, fashion reality shows. But the first with this, they just weren't ready. And now they're just like, I literally, we have a call from Florida Last night about Model Land and bringing awesome. it there, we had a call from Toronto, That's great. Germany. In the last three days, all of these people want Model Land all over the world. Love to see it. <laughs> Did you ever feel pigeonholed as like the black model when you were working in the industry? I didn't feel pigeonholed necessarily, but I felt lonely. Because I was a high fashion model, and as a black model, I wasn't the only black model in fashion shows. Right. There was Naomi Campbell, Veronica Webb, Beverly Pill, Karen Alexander, 
I mean, the list goes on and on. There were a lot of black models in fashion shows during my day. Then all of a sudden there wasn't. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but then when I crossed over to be more of the commercial girl next door right. with Sports Illustrated and Victoria's Secret and a lot of different companies like that, I was the only. And so I would try to mentor other girls like, you got to do this. Names that you know, but I'm not going to say. I would mentor them. Then I'd talk to different companies, but the companies wouldn't put the money behind them. It was like they, I, I was enough, which was strange and yeah. crazy to me. And it is, you know, it is what it is, but it was very disheartening. So that felt lonely when I crossed over to mass, the mass world. I know Black models are talking out today about how they go on set and no one knows how to do their hair. Yeah. No one has the right foundation shape. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure you were having those similar struggles back then. Yes. What did you do to kind of combat that? Oh, my gosh. So it was, the you know, the white girls and the Asian girls and the Latina girls. They would come to set just with their little purse, empty-handed. <laughs> Child, I came with a suitcase. <laughs> I had to have the pressing comb and sometimes the pressing comb and the hot plate, if the pressing comb that plugged in wasn't working, I had to have my gels. I had to have my VitaPoint grease. I had to have my edge toothbrush to <laughs> comb down my edges. I had to have my foundations. I had to have my own powders. I had to have my own bras and panties because they didn't have the color that wow. would disappear underneath the clothes. It was like, oh, yeah, I was like backpacking to work like a backpacker climbing a mountain, except I was just walking into a photo studio. <laughs> yes. And I just open it up, zip, zip, boom. And just like, that was my arsenal. And it was awful. And imagine having to do that at fashion shows during fashion week. Yeah. And I had to condense that into a backpack. And so people were like, oh, Tyra always has her backpack. And I was like, yeah, it was the same backpack from when I was in high school. Literally, I carried my textbooks in there. And they thought I had my portfolio and like some fun stuff. I was like, no, child, this is called survival. <laughs> <laughs> this is my survival gear. You're like, I look great in that photo. Yeah, because yes. I did my own hair I and did I did my exactly. own makeup. Do I get a credit on this? Ex exactly. <laughs> and it, it turned into kind of a joke backstage at fashion shows. I would sit in a makeup artist chair and they'd be like, no, 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 girl, I'm not going to do you because you look so good. Here is the look. It's a smoky eye. It's a red lip. It's a pink dot of a highlight in the middle of the lip. And there's a like a raggedy Ann doll cheek go. And because I've just started getting known as doing myself. A lot of us brown girls, we just did ourselves. Yeah. And makeup artists actually started getting scared of us because they knew they couldn't do it as good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. And the theme that I'm hearing is this resilience, right? Yeah. You find a way to make it work. Yes, and you I find a way to make it work. And I think the struggles that I went through and Naomi went through and Beverly Pill and all of us went through has given the voice of the girls today. It's not necessarily super easier for them, but at least they now have a voice to speak about it. And I think that's on the shoulders of all of our pain and the shoulder of Naomi Sims' pain and Iman's pain and Beverly Johnson, and the list goes on and on. Right. How do you think a social media has kind of become the platform for that, mm -hmm. not only within modeling and fashion, but as a business owner? I mean, yes. social media is one of your main platforms to reach the people. Yes. You're on TikTok. So social media has been crucial to, yes. first of all, the models getting their voice out, getting their mm -hmm. concerns out, but also to business. Why do you think social media is so important? Well, social media is so important because it gives power, power to the powerless. 
it used to be everybody in the ivory tower that had the power and said, this is the look of the season. It's going to be a woman that is about five, eight and three quarters. Her hair is going to be an ash blonde. She's going to have a very straight brow. Her eyes are going to be bluish kind of green. Her lips are going to be like a kissable bow lip and her cheekbones are going to be 3.72 centimeters from her eye, blah, blah, blah. That literally was what the industry was doing and saying, this is the look of the season. Sometimes it'd just be a sect of people. Oh, it's the Brazilians. (laughs) Yes. Oh, it's the Russians. Oh, it's the Eastern Europeans. It's this, it's that. I mean, it literally was that. And social media was like, oh, no. And the power of all of those voices together, it's now really not that. Now it's everything. And it is slowly every day getting better and better and better. Yeah, I've noticed that after being in the industry for for a while, I've seen runway looks inspired by things I've seen on TV. It used to be the other way around. I was I got some stuff on social media that the Balenciaga show had uh, like these like kind of a take on the America's Next Top Model T-shirt or something. Right? Yeah, it was hilarious. Wow. I mean, the influence of that show is incredible. When yeah. you first started America's Next Top Model, did you ever believe that? It would go on for this many cycles? No, not at all. I thought we were going to do two, and I thought that was going to be super successful. I literally thought two. And then we got to season four, and I remember yelling across the room to my partner, Ken Mock. I'm like, how many more seasons do you think we have left? And he was like, I don't know. I was like, I think we got eight. I'll be happy with eight. And then cut to 24. It's crazy. It's insane. I had no idea. But the thing is, when you're first, you get the cuts and you get the scrapes. So my girls would finish America's Next Top Model, and some of them were kind of more not traditional models, and some of them were. And the fashion industry, when they would go on go-sees, they would go, no, you were on America's Next Top Model. We are not seeing anybody that was from America's Next Top Model. This was industry-wide. It was a blackout and a boycott on my models for 15 years. Why? Why do you think that is? I think the fashion industry did not like that I was taking their world that was so precious and making it accessible to everyone. It was gauche. It was like too mass. Now the world has changed. So I have girls that are in, yeah, Lila, I think she did the Balmain or Balenciaga campaign. She's done the Hervé campaign. Ebony, she's an activist and she's like in every literally everything. Winnie Harlow is like killing it. And so it's like, now it's about social media following and it's about reach. So now my girls are like everywhere and doing so much. However, the girls from the first 15 years, the careers of the girls today were built on the backs of the girls that were blackballed for over a decade. Well, it's kind of like what you were talking about. You're taking the power away from these people who were the people who said what was it. Like, you don't say that, Tyra. We made you. And you're not about to make somebody else. And now the industry, agents and everything, and they're like, do you understand the power that you have? Do you know that every new model that we sign say that they learned how to pose from America's Next Top Model? That they want to be a model because of America's Next Top Model? Do you realize how many girls and guys we have knocking on our door, sending in photos because of you? And they said that, Top Model has revolutionized their business and given them more pick, Mm -hmm. more people, because they don't have to necessarily go and hang out at the high school and wait at the corner for like the new young models and trying to scout them. They're coming to them because of the awareness from Top Model. After the break, we'll talk about how Tyra built her brand beyond modeling, code switching, and the mascara she can't live without. 
Every month, our editors test hundreds of beauty products, and you can get some of our favorites in the Allure Beauty Box. For just $15, we'll send you a box of up to seven items. At least two of those are gonna be full size and a mini magazine that includes tips from our editors. New members get a special gift valued at $15 or more. Sign up at allure.com slash ABB. Welcome back to the Allure Podcast. Our conversation with Tyra Banks continues. What I'm most inspired by is how you've taken this modeling springboard and really just, you've done TV and you've done the model land. You have a book, you have a makeup line. You're a businesswoman, first and foremost. Thank you. And I respect the hell out of that. Like, <laughs> So did you always know you wanted to do business where do you come up with these ideas? <laughs> like for modeling and yeah. things like that. Like how did you expand yeah. your career and what advice do you have for yeah. people who also want to expand? I think that the if we just start with just modeling in general, like the supermodels, the household name supermodels aren't the most beautiful girls in the world. They're not, but they're some of the smartest in the industry. Yeah. So it's strategy. You know, it's me and Cindy Crawford and Heidi Klum and those, the likes of them, us, looking at this industry and saying, how can I stand out? What can I do to be different? How can I take control over this? And so it's much more strategy as opposed to waiting for the phone to ring and just very pointed looking at like almost like a chart and a graph and like saying, okay, I'm going to map this out. And so that's where that success comes in, not being the cutest. Because I remember being in Paris and this one girl, I won't say her name, but she came into the industry and I'm like, oh, it's done for me. Like <laughs> she is going to kill it. And she was booking a lot of fashion shows. I'm like, it's done. My career is over. And then there was another one that came in and I was like, oh, it's done. And they were beautiful, absolutely stunning. Like if in a room, you wouldn't even look at me, but they didn't have the strategy. And so it didn't stick. And so that's where it started for me of saying, okay, I'm going to walk different. I'm going to, I'm looking at how everybody is walking, but I'm going to do a little something different. I'm going to sashay a little bit more. I'm going to keep my face straight, but my eyes go left, my eyes go right, my eyes go left, my eyes go right. There were very specific things that I was doing. I didn't know that was differentiation and finding the white space. And yeah, I didn't understand what that was at the time, but that's what I was doing. Or I would do interviews and I would talk like I'm this like I like how I, I used to talk very differently back then because I'm really? from Inglewood and yeah. LA, black girl. And so naturally my accent came out. And from, you know, we hadn't really seen that in American fashion, like a black girl being like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to retire when I'm 23. And I really like this. And I'm in Milan right now and it's fun. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm a businesswoman. Like, you know, my success. And I think <laughs> that, that was different because yeah. we were used to, hello, mm -hmm. I'm a doll and I am fancy and it is beautiful. <laughs> you know, that's what Americans were used to and looking at black models that were fat like fashion icons was yeah. this like that's what I grew up looking at and being like wow and here I was the antithesis of that is like homegirl so all of these things and but now I've learned to like go back and forth and exercise my two-ness so I can say hello how are you can be like y'all what's up <laughs> and if you really analyze in the entertainment industry some of the biggest and most famous African-Americans do code switching yeah so Will Smith, one of the biggest stars in the world, he's like, hey, everybody, what's up? <laughs> Oprah, hello, today we're going to do this. And my mama said in Mississippi, blah, 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 blah. you know, yeah. like it's like there's a strength to that that appeals to not just black people, but 
everyone. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that I was doing that back then. So there's all these things that are like happening. And then I'm like, okay, now it's time to pivot to not what I was discovered to do, but what I was born to do. Right. There's a difference, right? I say modeling happened to me, but I happened to TV. Mm -hmm. Like that was the true passion. So it was always there. And I just used all these natural gut instincts I had to create something that a lot of millions of people wanted to watch. So you've always been teaching us how to pose, mm -hmm. how to smile through America's Next Top Model, but you also teach at Stanford Business School. Yes. And you have a class on personal branding. So I'm, I'm dying to know your personal branding tips. Like, <laughs> give me one or two for the people. Well, one of the things I say to my students, and I've said a little bit of it in this room with you today, is that different is better than better. It's not about being better than the person next to you that's in your sector. It's about being different. How do you stand out? That is going to take your career trajectory to the next level. And so with my students, I focus that on each and every single one of them. That's a really good tip. And I know that you're busy. You're doing different things. You have film. You've got modeling. How do you unwind? When do you find your me time? You're a mom. <laughs> yes. I have a lot less me time being a mom. It's <laughs> us time. And oh my gosh, I wish that I can watch the Netflix and the Prime and the Hulu that I want. But when my son is awake, mommy, I want to watch my show. <laughs> I don't want to watch your show, mommy. I want to watch my show. And so we watch his show. But my me time is when my son is asleep and I just sit in front of the TV and pop some microwave popcorn <laughs> and just watch TV. Or sometimes I'll get a massage. Mm -hmm. I'm really obsessed with doing these sweats at this place called the Sweat House okay. in L.A. Yeah. And you get in a blanket, like a sleeping bag, and you just sit there and sweat. It is the only time I don't think about work. Really? If I'm getting a massage, I tell the masseuse, can I have a scratch paper and a pen like right close to the table? And if I ask for it, can you give it to me or else I will spend this entire massage trying to remember this amazing million dollar idea that I have. Yeah. And so I have to write it down. When I go to that sweat place, it's like, Bleh. I don't know. It just does. I don't think about anything. It's yeah. amazing. And then I also love to do sound baths. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Get in the room and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I was very inspired by doing sound baths. And there's actually one at Model Land. Oh, wow. About remembering your spirit and tapping into your self-worth and your self-love close to the end of the model land journey attraction is a sound bath with music and stuff it's amazing so when you're talking about your have a scratch pad in your massage yeah i mean i'm also that person I'm like okay you've been doing this for 60 minutes i need my phone <laughs> like i can't lay here with you all day yes. <laughs> which is not what a massage is supposed to be <laughs> but what inspires you what gets your mind turning i don't know what it is it's that silence and like the biggest ideas come to me. I, I don't know. You know where else the ideas come? Okay, say I'm in a meeting or I'm just talking to you right now. I'm like, girl, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. When I'm washing my hands, I don't know what it is, but some of the biggest ideas I have ever done or created is when I'm washing my hands. So your mom seems to have been a really big part of your life, a big mm -hmm. influence in your life. What are some lessons that you've learned from her and what are some things that you're kind of learning as a mom as well? Well, my mom taught me to plan for the end at the beginning, for everything. 
because she, you know, used to tell me, look at backstage at this fashion show. Where's this girl and that girl and this girl? They're gone. But they were the, the hottest thing for two years. And now nobody wants to hire them anymore. And you're Tyra and you're on the covers of magazines and everybody wants you, but they're not going to one day. And it doesn't mean that your self-worth is over. But what's your plan after that? Do not let them control the worth, your self-worth. And you need to have a plan. So we're going to plan for the end at the beginning. And we'd be backstage at fashion shows, backstage at Chanel, backstage at Yves Saint Laurent, backstage at Dior, backstage at Armani. And she'd be like, you look around, who's not here anymore? Mm -hmm. So what's your plan? And we would plan backstage at fashion shows. Yeah. Leave it to mom to keep you <laughs> humble, okay? Right? Yeah, so what's your plan? And wash them damn dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my mom. <laughs> that is definitely my mom, too. Yeah. That and, oh, sweetie, I saw that video you did. But you didn't do your nails. Why uh, what you is do that? But why do they do that to us? <laughs> my mom is always saying I have on too much blush. And she's saying my wig is looking wiggy. <laughs> and what else is she saying? Looks wiggy. You got too much blush on. Well, her nails are more busted than mine, so she doesn't talk about my nails. But it's always like, just leave me alone. Stop. <laughs> mom, I love you. I know you're listening to this. So, of course, you can't come to the Allure podcast without giving us some beauty tips. Oh, yeah. What are you using right now? Yes. What are you loving? What do I have on my face right now? Cover girl, child. I was a cover girl for five years, so it's so funny. And they ain't paying me to say this. Y'all need to pay me to say this. <laughs> but they sent me like a, the whole box of the new line for yeah. black girls. It was a huge box. And they sent me every color in the rainbow. So I like passed it out to everybody in my office, even the white girls. Even though it was a black girl box, they had like really light colors because they understand black people have lots of skin tones. Right. So it worked for almost everybody in my office. Dry bar? Has a mascara. Yes, I it. love Cosmo that mascara. Yeah. Have you tried that mascara? I use it, actually. I'm also ran out, so oh, I'm on something okay. else. But Yeah, so I, I shouldn't be using it right now because it's, you know, it's on its last leg. So I have it on right now. But when it's a new bottle, uh, what do you call it? It's a new tube. Tube, thank you. It's bananas. Yeah. And the packaging is so good. It's like so good. I have that on right now. What else do I have on? What about skin? I use a Veda hydrating lotion for my moisturization. Mm -hmm. And I use Kills Avocado Eye Cream. That's a classic. I love it. And I'm a chapstick girl. Love me some chapstick. <laughs> so chapstick last summer did like some like limited edition like colors and like flavors. It was like key lime pie and pina colada and yeah. all kind of stuff. And I bought all those. So you're always trying things. I, I try stuff. Yeah. People send me free stuff. I'm like, let me try this because my skin is is not sensitive at all. Yeah. So I can just throw anything on it. And so I'm like, oh, they sent me this. Let me try. Let me see what happens. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you like to add? Just come to Model Land. Are y'all going to come to Model Land? I am. I want my photo shoot. Yes. <laughs> you need to come to Model Land. And you can like be getting made up in our fantasy and have that pad and paper next to you and writing the ideas <laughs> down because your mind doesn't stop. You can go to model-land.com to get tickets to model land awesome well thank you so much for coming thank i really you. appreciate your time <laughs> i just had such a great time thank you me to too you. i hope you enjoyed my interview with the iconic tyra banks before you go subscribe to the allure podcast and rate this episode